A very brief paraphrase of our gospel reading might go like this. The disciples whining, Jesus, we need more faith. Jesus, exasperated, you've got plenty of faith. Try using it once. And when you do, instead of expecting praise, try thanking the one that gave it to you. That is our attempt to read between these lines. What the gospel actually says is as follows. This is the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The apostle said to the Lord, give us more faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep, come here at once, take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to them, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink, and then later you may eat and drink? Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were ordered to do, just say, we are worthless slaves and we have done only what we ought to have done. This is the gospel of the Lord. Okay, so choir members not allowed to answer this, but two readings today and one big word that's the same in both readings. What's the word? Nice. Excellent. The word is faith. Awesome. So that's what I was thinking about this week. That's where we'll be getting eventually. Um, but stick with me because we're going to get to it kind of in reverse and backwards. So hang with me for a little bit. So we're going to start with a hypothetical. So say... I have that one person in my life that just drives me crazy. Might not be just one person, but we're, we're going to pretend it's just one person for this. So say I have this one person in my life that just drives me crazy. And this person is all control, 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 perfection, perfection, perfection. They're the one who's going to like sanitize the... Uh, handle of the shopping cart before they go. Every surface in their house is spick and span all the time. And like, God forbid, a single crumb drop anywhere in their house. And being around them, like their anxiety brings out my anxiety and it is just exhausting to be near them. <coughs> Hypothetical, remember? <laughs> so, when I have somebody in my life like that who makes me crazy like that, I probably do what we often do when people drive us crazy, which is label them. Control freak. And probably congratulate myself on being so easygoing and laid back compared to Mr. or Mrs. Hand Sanitizer over there, right? And then one night, they tell me their story about how when they were a kid, they practically lived in the hospital while their mom was dying, right? And that it was so important for them to always be germ-free. And so they took it upon their kid's self to always, always, always be clean so they could keep their mom from getting sick. Well, then what? Blushing, super embarrassed, super ashamed because I've done it again, right? I've labeled, I've distanced, I wasn't curious, I didn't listen, and when I did take the time to listen, their story made it all make sense, right? And aren't all of us kind of like that? Totally crazy making, right? Totally impossible, 
until someone takes the time to hear our story and all the twists and turns that have brought us where we are and made us who we are. So I'm not going to tell you how many times I've been in that embarrassing, again, hypothetical situation, nor will I make you raise your hands if you have ever been in that situation. We will just say, let's just say that we're going to ask God that the next time that happens, that God will use our embarrassment to make us more compassionate the next time around, right? Have you guys heard, um, there's a saying, I might not get it quite right, but it's something along the lines of, Always be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. Have you heard that? Or something like that maybe? Or, or like, um, never judge a person until you've walked two moons in their moccasins. The, do, have you, so you've heard like variations on that before, right? It's just like don't judge because you don't know the full story. And that's good advice. That's Christ-like advice to live by. Just the idea that whatever you see of a person, especially the bad, is only the tip of the iceberg to everything that is who they are and what makes up their story. But here's what I was thinking about this week. Not actually that at all. What I was actually thinking is that the reverse of that is true too, and especially with God. So um, my daughter Alice has this picture book, and this one page from this picture book just I don't know, it has just captured my imagination and really stuck with me. And I did, as an aside, by the way, I said I was not going to talk about Alice for like two weeks in a row of sermons. And this does not count as breaking that because I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about her book, which is totally different. So here is a picture of this page in the book. It's from this book, Birds, by Kevin Hankies. And that's what, it, that's what the picture looks like. And it says, it's kind of small. I don't know if you can see it. If birds made marks with their tail feathers when they flew, think what the sky would look like. Okay, now to be totally honest, I'm not quite sure why that has like striking me of so incredibly profound of a thing, um, but I can't stop thinking about it. And maybe it's just because like that's an idea I would never come up with on my own, right? Like, hey, what if birds made marks with their feathers? What would the sky look like? And also because it's just an arresting image, thinking of all of these different colors and lines throughout the sky. But now that I've read it and it's in my head, I can't stop thinking about it, right? So every time I go outside and I see a patch of sky, I start imagining all of the different lines, all this invisible, incredible artwork that's up there of all of the different swoops and circles and soaring lines from all these different colors and all these different birds that have ever crossed that particular patch of sky. What if the work of God is like that? Invisible artwork all around us. That's kind of an intriguing thought, right? Because we know, I mean, we know, we get little glimmers of God, right? Do you get that? Sometimes you'll see something and you're like, wow, that was God. But it's just quick. It's just a flash and then it's God. We get these little glimmers. But we know, don't we, that who God is and what God is doing in this world, so much bigger, so much better, so much more beautiful than we could ever begin to imagine. Which is a totally tantalizing thought. It makes us want more, doesn't it? I want to see more. I know there's so much that I'm missing. I want to see more. 
And so we can and should and do pray that prayer. God, help us to see more. Give us better vision, right? Give us wide open eyes. Give us hopeful hearts. Make us like holy detectives that are always on the lookout for glimmers of God and what God is up to in this world. That is a prayer that I think God hears and honors and often answers, right? God, give us better vision. I've often thought of our faith as like putting on a pair of glasses almost. When I was becoming a Christian, it was like someone handed me these glasses and were like, here, try these on. And then when you look out at the world through the lens of our faith story and the story of Jesus, and I'm like, wow, I never noticed that before. Wow, there's, there's so much more depth than I had ever seen before. There's so much more meaning. There's like a whole other dimension, a whole clarity. So that's a good prayer. God, give us better vision. But you know what's an even better prayer? An even better prayer is the one that the apostles almost pray in our gospel reading today. God, give us faith. A core part of our belief is that there is a God and we are not it, right? And so although we can and do keep working to see the world the way God sees, we're never even going to come close to having the vision that God does, right? And that's okay. But that's why, in addition to asking God, give us better vision, God, give us faith. It's our trust that God is busy at work in us and in the world. It's faith is trusting that there is more to this world than we can see, and it is good. That's the prayer the apostles almost pray. What do they actually pray? What do they actually ask Jesus? Not God give us faith. God give us more faith. Which is, isn't that such a human thing, right? I want more. I want more and more and more and more. And Jesus gives him a little bit of grief for this more faith, right? Here's what he's saying. Faith isn't about how much you have. Faith is a gift from God, and it is always and only about God. And so Jesus tells them that faith, even the size of the smallest seed, can do amazing and world-changing things. Those poor disciples. <laughs> Jesus is trying to tell them that faith is about trusting that God is at work in us and in our world. And with God, there is always, always, always enough. And that is really good news for any of us who are feeling like we are not good enough, not smart enough, not old enough, not young enough, not full of faith enough. God takes our smallness and adds God's bigness to it, and then we are enough. So if Jack's willing to help us out, we're going to turn off the lights for a moment and try something. So let's do this. Thinking about all these things, let's close our eyes for just a moment. And let your arms fall to your sides. 
and open your palms, stretch out your fingers wide, wide, wide. And take a slow, deep breath in. And feel your lungs filling with air. And as you feel that happening, imagine being filled with the bigness and the goodness of God. And as you feel your lungs filling with God's own breath, May each rise and fall of your chest remind you, you have enough. You are enough. God is enough. Thanks be to God. Amen.